Hello, everyone. I'm Rania Kalik, and this is Dispatches. Israel's genocide in Gaza has shocked the world, with an endless flow of videos and images of Palestinian children cut into pieces by American bombs, dropped by Israeli warplanes, deliberately intended to destroy a civilian population. Israeli leaders have said as much. Despite the explicitly genocidal rhetoric of Israeli officials, Western leaders continue to proclaim their support for Israel's right to defend itself. Over 2,000 Palestinian children have been slaughtered in the merciless carpet bombing of what amounts to a ghetto. Yet we're told by the mainstream corporate media that it's their fault for resisting their extermination. It's their fault for hating Israel. It's their fault, we're even told, because actually they bombed themselves. But this war on Gaza is different than past wars, not only in the scale of Israeli aggression, but in the reaction on the street, from the Middle East to the United States. While Western media runs cover for Israeli atrocities, people are losing their jobs across various industries for speaking out. The suppression has never been this intense. Yet still, Israel is losing the narrative war. Most people want to see a ceasefire, and tens of thousands have protested across the U.S., to demonstrate their opposition to Biden's unconditional support for this genocide. Joining me to discuss Israel's genocidal onslaught in Gaza and how it has the potential to snowball into a catastrophic regional war, I'm joined by journalist Abby Martin, creator and host of The Empire Files. But before we jump into it, this is just the first half of this episode. The second half is available for Breakthrough News members only, you can become a member at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. Abby Martin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Rania. It's so great to have you on. I'm not sure I've had you on dispatches before, which is just kind of insane. I mean, you've obviously been on breakthrough before. I, it's really unfortunate that it has to be under these circumstances, because obviously we're going to be talking about the horrific genocide that's taking place in Gaza. And I just want to clarify, we are recording this before there has been a ground invasion, but obviously every day, every hour that could change. So if that has happened after this goes out, just keep that in mind as you watch this. Um, but anyways, Abby, I guess like there's so much to discuss. You've done so much journalism on the issue of Palestine, um, both on the ground and away. And I want to start off by asking you about your documentary, Gaza Frights for Freedom, which was released in 2019. And that was four years ago. And it's an excellent documentary for anybody who hasn't watched it. I encourage you to go check it out after you've watched this episode. I will include a link to it in the description. Um, and it's still making a huge impact to help people understand the situation that Ga Gaza is in, which has obviously gotten like significantly worse in the last two weeks. But can you maybe start out by telling our audience what is Gaza Fights for Freedom about and why does it still matter as we witness the atrocities being committed against Gaza right now? Well, Rania, I think everyone has that light bulb moment. Like mine was the Gaza flotilla massacre in 2010 when Israeli commandos, you know, jumped on a ship in international waters and just executed, I think, like nine peace activists, one American citizen. And then, of course, the fog of war coming out of that attack was literally apologizing and whitewashing this massacre. And I think that that really woke me up to, wow, something is very, very wrong with what we're being told with this so-called Israel-Palestine conflict. And then, you know, everything compounded as I started working with Palestinians. And every time Israel would go on a, a, one of their bombardments of Gaza every couple of years, bombing people in essentially a caged area, my friends and colleagues that were Palestinian had to check in every couple hours to, to see if their families were dead or alive. Um, and it was just so harrowing and so horrifying Fast forward to the Great March of Return. This was, uh, I think, when Mike and I went to the occupied West Bank in 2017. Um, this was a year before Palestinians in Gaza decided to do this mass civil disobedience action where for 18 months they were going out every single Friday, um, tens of thousands at the beginning. And then it kind of whittled down um, into just thousands of people. I mean, this was a consistent determined action, uh, completely unarmed. 
um, men, women, children, medics, journalists, all of these people went out. It was in, in no way directed or engineered by Hamas, this cartoonish depiction of Hamas, you know, stage managing everything in Gaza and taking away Palestinians' agency. It was devised by a poet named Ahmed Artema, who just simply wanted to, to kind of do this peaceful action where he was drawing attention to their plight as refugees. And it was mostly symbolic to erect tents and basically call attention to their plight as refugees and show the international community, look, um, you know, we're still here generations later as besieged refugees, ethnically cleansed right from, you know, this partition where our ancestral lands are just right there. We can see them that we can't go to them. And, and I think we know what happened, Rania, is that Israeli snipers perched up on hilltops just took everyone out um, looking at people, civilians, through through their scopes, um, their sniper scopes, and took out journalists, medics, children, disabled people. These are all egregious war crimes under the Geneva Conventions in a standing army, like between armies, an armed battle. It's still egregious war crimes to target those protected groups. So the fact that there were no militants shooting at Israeli soldiers, it was just simply civilians in mass, and Israeli snipers still picked them off one by one. Um, every couple hours, you would hear this shot ring out and, and people would just drop dead or drop injured and wounded and, and be brought back through the ambulances. And then, of course, they would target the ambulances. And when this happened, um, I, I just thought there's nothing that's going to be more egregious than this. Right. I mean, Israel is committing such heinous war crimes for all the world to see. And there's no argument. There's no argument that they could give. There's no fog of war. There's no flipping the script here. Like, that's why we wanted to work with Palestinian journalists to tell this story, because I just thought, look, this is such a clear cut case of Israeli war crimes. It's incontrovertible. It's super proven. We based the entire framework of the movie around this UN report that was released. Everything's documented. But Rania just didn't matter. Um, and, and now, you know, 2023, that that was four years ago, as you mentioned, Israel's taking out as many people as they killed in the Great March of Return in like every couple hours. I can't keep up with the amount of civilians that are dying in mass because in the Great March of Return, it was 214 people that were picked off by Israeli snipers, 8,000 people shot with live ammunition. And now every couple hours, I'm hearing that hundreds of people you know, are, are dying every couple hours. And it's just like, you think that it can't get worse and it just does. And they made the Great March of Return about Israel, and they made it about the human shields, and they continued to pose as the victim even during that. And international law did nothing, and the UN sat back and did nothing, and the US continued to greenlight Israeli apartheid. And so the audacity, the hubris, and the arrogance of thinking that you can keep 2.3 million people in this caged ghetto and not expect anything to happen— and so that's led us to where we are today. And even in the movie, it said that, you know, by 2020, the UN was saying this is an uninhabitable area. The lack of potable water. I mean, all of those things. <laughs> so that was four years ago. And it was already 50% of all diseases were because of toxic water. I mean, how is this sustainable? I mean, obviously, it's not. And now Gaza is dealing with a situation where it's just being completely leveled. You have Israeli leaders essentially saying we want to turn it into a parking lot. And I, I just I, honestly, at this point, it's like you have no words anymore because just watching image after image, I'm just not sure, like, what is the world's threshold for videos of Palestinian children in Gaza being chopped into pieces by American bombs delivered by Israeli jets? Like, obviously, over 2,000, and that's probably an underestimate because, the, like, right now they're talking about hospitals shutting down. They've run out of fuel. I mean, you think about, like, the babies and incubators lie that the U.S. spread in the lead-up to the first Gulf War uh, in Congress, that famous lie. Uh, in this case, it's not a lie. Actually, babies and incubators in Gaza are very likely right now dying because Israel's denying fuel to hospitals. And I just don't understand how anyone, anyone can see images of children. I don't care who they are, just any children being chopped up into pieces and dying needlessly being murdered and call that self-defense or standing by a civilized country or any of the insane rhetoric we've heard. I'm sorry. I'm going to probably get a little angry throughout this because yeah. 
this is really outrageous. But, you know, speaking to that, you, you know, I've seen you posting messages from your contacts in Gaza where the situation just sounds completely apocalyptic. I, I actually just saw before we started recording that the Al Jazeera Arabic correspondent who is right now in Ramallah just got news that his family, his like wife and daughter and brother, I mean, I think it was his brother, but his, basically his whole family was killed in an Israeli airstrike, by the way, on the South in Khan Yunus, in the South where they were told to mm-hmm. evacuate to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everybody, everybody from Gaza has family being killed. I'm curious, what are you hearing from those you know on the ground in Gaza? Well, so all the people that I'm in contact with were people that we we did the documentary with. And so it's been it's been an apocalyptic nightmare unfolding for the last four years. And to see my friends and colleagues who want to remain anonymous because we already have seen 20 journalists be killed. Uh, you could argue whether they were targeted or not. We know Shireen Abu Akleh certainly was. And we know that the journalists during the Great March of Returns certainly were. So regardless, there is no like accountability for all of these journalists who are losing their lives during this onslaught. And so my, you know, my colleagues do not want to be targeted. Um, and so that's why I'm, you know, not naming them. But one of them who was our field producer through the entire movie has been rendered homeless by Israeli bombs. He's been to this place three times. Then he moved into his parents' home, and then that's when they got the mass leaflets being dropped saying everyone needs to leave to the north, I'm sorry, to the south. And so they just aimlessly were fleeing to the south as bombs were dropping. We know that Israel was bombing these aid convoys that they then then later claimed that Islamic Jihad booby-trapped the aid convoy um, of people fleeing. Absolutely barbaric, genocidal stuff. Rania, my other colleague who's there, he woke up this morning to the news that his brother had been martyred. His brother living in a house with 30 people. And I want to just read you. Please. (laughs) I want to read you what he said. And it's sick. This is where they're at right now. He said, my brother was martyred in a bombing of his friend's house and 30 people were killed as usual, mostly women and children. My brother left behind his wife and two children, the youngest of whom is four months old. We're in a state of intense sadness and fear every moment that we will lose another person. He was like, some people in other countries differ in opinion about whether they're going to eat today or have a break. He was like, the ordeals that we're dealing with is if a bomb hits us, There's no doubt that it will destroy all of us. He was like, so we're trying to grapple with, do we stay together or do we separate so we don't all die together? I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's insane that 40 miles away from this genocide taking place that you have Israelis going to the beach, going out to eat, just living their lives, Rania. And you have our friends and brothers and sisters on the ground in Gaza deciding, hey, should we stick together so that if a bomb hits the house, we'll all die together? Or should we separate so that one of us will live on and perhaps tell our stories and take care of our infants who won't have a family anymore? I mean, just wrap your mind around how the decisions that are being made by people there. And this isn't even to mention the fact that food and water and electricity have been cut off. You know, because they're subhuman, they're animals, in the words of these Israeli ministers, and the U.S. doesn't care, right? Liberals don't care about this. Sarah Silverman was saying, hey, we're at the point that why do these animals deserve water and electricity? So waterborne illnesses, foodborne illnesses, all of these things are happening aside from that. You mentioned babies. I keep thinking of formula. Babies screaming, starving to death. Not even the ones being bombed and beheaded with bombs, the ones who can't eat, the people on dialysis. I mean, there's no time to even talk about those victims and there's no time to grieve the death and destruction that's happening aside from the heavy bombardment of Israeli bombs. And to hear every day from my, it's like, I don't even know what to say other than I will do my best to like share this information and hope that it will help humanize the plight of what is going on. Rania. And that is just when you put it like that, it's so insane to think about on top of everything you just described. There's this like worldwide gaslighting going on where it's your fault. You're bombing yourselves. You're basically all human shields for a terrorist organization that is the same as ISIS. 
it's your fault. You hate Israel. You're anti-Semites. You deserve this. And just by world leaders. And I mean, the, the reason I raise this, of course, is because, you know, you've been covering the issue of Palestine through your journalistic career. Um, and I, as all, you know, I think all of us who've been following this issue recognize there are the same Israeli talking points every single time, like a broken record. And they're all repeated ad nauseum by CNN, by MSNBC, by BBC, by all the mainstream Western channels. So I want to ask you to help our audience debunk some of these talking points. One in particular that I think is very insidious is that you hear the Israelis and Biden and Anthony Blinken and Ursula von der Leyen keep repeating every five minutes in tweets because they just have to remind us like every five minutes that they support this genocide and they stand with Israel. Um, and never to justify it, they keep repeating that Hamas is using Pal Hamas. They say Hamas doesn't represent Palestinians or their aspirations. In fact, Hamas is using them as human shields, and that's why Palestinians are dying. Therefore, Hamas is, is actually responsible for all the dead children that Israel is killing. And you've done, I think, a great job uh, basically debunking this entire, this entire claim. So how, how should people, how do you at least, let's, let's ask you that, how do you respond to that claim as Israel inflicts its most vicious acts of violence against Gaza's civilian population? How do you respond to the claim that Hamas is using Palestinians across Gaza as human shields? Yeah, no, it's a really good point because, and I want to go back to the Hamas equals ISIS. Well, in fact, they were saying Hamas is worse than ISIS um, <laughs> because they started off with that. And that's why I think they wanted to just unload like aerial bombardment, um, it, similarly to what the US and Russia did with ISIS and, you know, Syria and Iraq. And that was, you know, we we know that those airstrikes were taking out hundreds of civilians at a time. And there was kind of like, by the way, real quick, I just, yeah. real quick, I just want to say it actually like mainstream American media has reported that Israel has dropped more bombs I, I, by the sixth day. Yeah. Of this, Israel had dropped more bombs than the U.S. had in like a month of carpet bombing Raqqa. I just want to throw that, that in there. That is yes, crazy. That, that's a yeah. really, no, that, that's crazy because we saw the aftermath of the Raqqa bombing. I mean, it was like mm -hmm. leveled. Um, and there were hundreds of civilians that died. And it was kind of secondary to think of all the civilian casualties because ISIS was like so barbaric and so subhuman that, well, we just needed to do everything we could, could to take out ISIS. And that's what they wanted to cement in the first place. Um, but then I think people were seeing the horrors unfolding on the ground and Palestinians dictating their own reality through social media. And so it switched back to the old, tired, human shield talking point, which aside from just like picking a point, uh, picking apart that narrative, I mean, if you look at like the the swath of of the history of propaganda used um, toward American allies and I'm sorry, from American allies toward our so-called enemies back all the way from World War II and beyond in Vietnam and Korea and Iraq and Libya, you can see that tired talking point being propelled by the mainstream media, whether it's the Viet Cong, whether it's Gaddafi's you know, civilians, whether it's Iraqi civilians, it's always they're going to use human shields. Like basically anticipating there's going to be a large amount of civilian casualties, but they're all human shields for these crazy dictators or for these crazy genocidal maniacs. And so just know that it doesn't matter, you know, because they're the ones putting their civilians at risk. And so it's always been a racist, dehumanizing trope and a veil, like basically a veil to commit mass death and destruction. Um, and it's sick. And for some reason, it just sticks with Palestinians. Palestinians are continued to be called um, mindless human shields. The, their agency is completely taken away. And they're all just looked at as some sort of death cult who martyrs their own children. It is disgusting and it's sick. And let's look at the propaganda because Israel is basically saying everyone in the Gaza Strip is a human shield for Hamas because they elected Hamas in 2006. Well, they can't leave. So first and foremost, it's a situation of Israel's own creation, even if that were true. They are not allowing civilians to flee. It's the only place in the world that refugees can't even leave by boat if they wanted to. They're shot in the waters if they stray too far. They can't go into Rafah. They can't go into the Erez crossing um, because Israeli snipers will shoot to kill. There's like a, literally a no-go zone surrounding their entire partitioned land. So it's crazy that Israel's like, 
pretending that this is true when they've created the situation. So putting that aside, their actual evidence that they always put forward are literal cartoon infographics. They either release like images of aerial like infographics of Gaza with like red squares around them. And they're just like, here's a rocket launcher. See, and it's right next to this UN building. So naturally we have to blow up the shelter, right? Because this rocket launcher is over a couple streets away. And it's just always this red square on like a, like an aerial shot of the street. It's like, okay, great. I'll take your word for it. Um, And then aside from that, they literally use infographics. I'll never forget in during the Sheikh Jarrah, um, horrible like ethnic cleansing going on in Sheikh Jarrah and the pogroms that were going on. And also during the great March of return, they were releasing infographics of just cartoon images of people standing on rooftops, holding missiles and grenade launchers. And it's like, okay, that, do you think that that's convincing anyone? (laughs) And then, and then the argument completely falls apart when you look at the great March of return, because they were using that argument to justify shooting elderly people and disabled people and children and medics and, um, and journalists. And that that's outrageously false. They were not human shields for anyone. There were no militants there. And so when you apply that logic just to that instance alone, Rania, the argument falls apart and their credibility is completely shot. And so we can't trust anything that they say. Everything Israel uses for their playbook has been debunked. And then if you apply the same logic to Israel, well, they're using human shields too. They have military bases in the yeah. middle of residential neighborhoods. They broadcast from densely populated areas. If Hamas targeted one of their military bases or one of their media towers, is there any doubt that that would be called a war crime? No. Mm-hmm. The standard of international law should be applied the same. That, that's the whole point. There should be no bias at all. You should look at the facts and let the facts um, you know, go where, they, go where they are. And unfortunately, there's a complete not only reversal of the truth, but just a, a, a misapplied version of international law that somehow only applies to who Israel deems its enemies. And I'm sick of this whole Hamas run, Hamas led like narrative in the corporate media too, as if that again takes away, strips Palestinian agency and pretends like Hamas has a gun to the head of Palestinians who are like lying about their situation or about the horrors unfolding on the ground. And it immediately makes people think that they can't trust the news coming out of like the Hamas run health ministry about civilians dead or the Al Arab hospital bombing. And it's just grotesque. And so what Israel purposely tries to do with the human shield thing and beyond is just create this fog of war. And what they're best at is deflecting and projecting what they do onto Palestinians. And like you said, Palestinians bomb their own hospital, Rania. What idiots, you know? Just like Joe Biden said, Hamas got to learn to shoot straight. I just can't. I mean, wow. I don't even know what to, that guy, he needs to be prosecuted. I don't even, I don't even know like what to do about Joe Biden and the fact that he can't speak. And then when he does, he says things like that. I just... Um, it's beyond no, comprehension I, it, that this is, is like our president, our, our, rea- our reality yeah. is beyond comprehension. Hell. Right? And, you know, when it comes to the issue of international law, one thing I will say is like, at this point, I just can't get over people being like, Israel has to conduct its war in the confines of international law. That's the most you'll hear. It's like, just please carry out your genocide a little bit more politely. I'm not really sure how many more Israeli leaders have to go on international television and state explicitly that they are in fact deliberately targeting civilians because they don't see Palestinians as human or civilians. They see them all as Hamas animals. They have like repeatedly said that over and over again, yet still we're sitting here pretending like Israel will ever care about anything related to an international law system that quite frankly was created by America, by the Western countries, only to be applied when it's useful against their adversaries. Mm-hmm. That is all. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, you know, I, I think that uh, one important, I mean, there's so many things happening outside of Palestine, outside of, I'm sorry, Gaza related to Gaza that aren't getting attention because obviously the worst atrocities of this genocide are taking place in Gaza and it kind of overshadows everything else. But I just want to move for a moment to the West Bank, which hasn't been in the news as much as Gaza, but, you know, Israelis are committing violence there as well. Almost, if not more at this point, I mean, as of the last number I saw, it was like 95, but I'm sure 
that has already increased. So let's just go with uh, somewhere around 100 Palestinians have been killed in the West Bank since October 7th by either the Israeli military or actual lynchings by Israeli settlers, which mm -hmm. have not received attention. Um, and some of these settlers have actually recently been given assault rifles by the national security minister, this crazy right-wing guy, Itamar Ben-Gavir, who bought 10,000 assault rifles to distribute to settlers, what they call civil defense groups, but they're just like far-right vigilante groups to be used against Palestinians. You have reported from the ground in the West Bank. Can you tell us some of your reflections from that experience and then what is going through your head as you kind of like catch up on the news of what's happening there today? I mean, it's so scary because there's massacres happening every day there, like you mentioned, and everything that precipitated the attack on October 7th was like bloodletting going on and increase in settler terrorism this complete, uh, you know, like fascist coalition of actual like terrorist, like actual terrorists and fascists um, that have either been like convicted for like heinous crimes against Palestinians or just openly genocidal, like stacked in the government, like Likudniks and, you know, like Naftali Bennett, you mentioned earlier this, this rhetoric coming out from the Israeli government being purely genocidal. I mean, this is the guy who said that they're committing self-genocide. Here's what they're doing. Hamas is conducting massive self-genocide. They're taking women and children, placing them next to missile launchers, and shooting the but, missiles but, at but, Israel. But these kids apparently were playing on a beach. Mm. This guy is a maniac. Netanyahu's saying that they want telegenically dead babies for their cause. This is the kind of rhetoric and Western media just sits back and they're like, wow, that's so fascinating. Oh my God, tell me more. Like, have you ever heard something so cartoonish that they're committing self genocide. But yeah, I mean, this guy, this this harrowing footage of this guy handing out assault rifles, like some assembly line to all of these fanatical settlers, and they claim, oh, Palestinians are given money to go kill Jewish people. No, dude, this is, again, it's like projection for what they're doing. They're literally getting rallied on. Like, officially, the army is told, like, go just kill Palestinians. Like, these settlers, it's like, just go take them out, because there's this Basically, not only a fog of war going on in Gaza with all of this Hasbro propaganda being unleashed, but it's also like creating this fog of war about what's going on in the West Bank. There's essentially just like a cloak, like no one's looking over here. So now we can really ramp up our pogroms, the assaults on villages, the settler terrorism. They're going balls to the wall. There was just 13 people like killed in one village. Um, from probably soldiers and settlers, because we know that soldiers basically just protect the, the fan fanatical settlers. You go over there with a tractor trailer, you perch up on top of an Arab village, and you just get immediately like electricity and water hookups by the Israeli military and protected. And that was my my biggest takeaway. I think that that stark contrast is just really what people need to know when they when they think about the West Bank. The West Bank is under a military occupation. It's it's essentially martial law. Um, and fanatical settlers from all over the world can just go perch up on top of Arab villagers and be armed to the teeth and be protected. And Palestinians not only can't have weapons, they can't have anything construed as a weapon. I remember I was in a car going through a checkpoint of a bunch of Palestinian guys, and they had all been, of course, everyone's like in and out of prison for just arbitrary nonsense. And I had a nail file in my purse, and the guy was just like, I could go back to prison. If they find this nail file and that can be construed as a weapon, I will go to prison. And I was just like, what? What? Um, yeah. So this is, I mean, when we were there, we were there for a month and every day it was just countless stories of Palestinians being executed for this reason or that. Um, like some farmer was shot in the back because he didn't turn around quickly enough at the, at the you know, at an Israeli soldier saying, giving him a demand. We go to the guy's funeral later and everyone is, you know, traumatized. It was this horrifying thing. As we're leaving, the Israeli soldiers set up this huge blockade around the house and rerouted everyone to drive like an hour, which was really just what would take you five minutes in a car just to inconvenience everyone. And on top of that, they were tear gassing the cars, shooting rubber bullets at just the, the funeral goers that had visited um, this house to pay respects to the living relatives of the man who was shot and killed. So this is just 
every day in the West Bank, there's this going on. Um, we were at the Kalandia checkpoint going from Ramallah into um, Israeli territory. And this this woman was, this man was walking with his hands raised. You know, he, he didn't, he obviously couldn't read the Hebrew sign saying, don't pass this certain area. And they just unleashed a barrage of bullets all around him. They could have hit anyone in cars. They could have hit him. I mean, it's, it's a miracle that he wasn't shot and killed. And as we go through the checkpoint, the soldiers told me, be safe out there, be safe out there. And it's just like, dude, you guys are the ones making it completely unsafe. Like you are crazy. Like what is going on? And that, I mean, that, there's a million stories like that, Rania. I saw ambulances being stopped and checked. We know, you know, Hebron is just this, this nightmare where Palestinians are literally living in caged areas and Israelis just go and create this ghost town out of this bustling hub that used to exist. It, it's just endless. And I'm so terrified about it, terrified about where it's going to go under the cover of, of the war in Gaza. And it's so crazy, even just like walking around, I'm wearing constantly, I'm wearing like pro-Palestine shirts and sweatshirts and stuff. And, um, and some little girl came up to me at the playground the other day. She's like, yeah, she's like, did you know that Israel and Palestine are at war with each other? And it's just like, the fact that that's, I mean, it's a little girl, so I, you know, she, yeah, you can't like yell at her. Her. but it's just crazy that like everyone just thinks that. That Palestine and Israel, you just look at every mainstream media article. It's like the Palestine-Israel conflict, the Palestine-Israel war. It's like they're, they're literally just bombing a caged area. It, it is sick and depraved. It's unprecedented. It's crazy and cutting off electricity and water for 2 million people. I mean, how is that a war? How is that anything other than genocide? I mean, look, look, I want to show you what they're, sorry, a friend just said this to me, so I have to get your yeah, reaction please. to it because it's so insane. I, this is, this is what the president of their country is on TV saying all the time. Here is Joe Biden at a press conference responding mm -hmm. to a question about civilian casualties in Gaza. I'm going to play this real quick. Very quickly, in the 18 days since Hamas, Hamas killed 1,400 Israelis, the Hamas-controlled Gaza Health Ministry says Israeli forces have killed over 6,000 Palestinians, including 2,700 chil children. You've previously asked Netanyahu to minimize civilian casualties. Do these numbers say to you that he is ignoring that message? What they say to me is I have no notion that the Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging a war. I think we should be incredibly careful. I think not we, Israelis should be incredibly careful to be sure that they're focusing on going after the folks that are the pro propagating this war against Israel. And, uh, and it's against their interest when that doesn't happen. But I just can't even, I don't even know, like Abby, I don't even know where to, how to like deal with that. Like he just literally just said, you can't believe what Palestinians say. And also the, the reporter's question was disgusting too, because this Hamas run health ministry, Hamas run health, Hamas ministry, run health ministry, Hamas is the governing body of Gaza. You could technically say everything is Hamas right. run because, right. you know, I, I don't understand. I mean, still the doctors are still doctors. The hospital is still a hospital. Just because it's a public hospital doesn't mean Hamas militants are like running it. I just, I cannot, I cannot believe the level of, maybe this is on me being very naive, but the level of dehumanization is so shocking. Sorry, I had to play that because it's like a real time example of what we're all being subjected to hearing constantly. So I understand why that kid, yeah. that girl at the, at the, <laughs> at the playground is like confused because she's just hearing her president say that all yeah. the time on the media. Yeah. And I understand why people are confused because, because Joe Biden literally said that he saw f pictures of 40 babies beheaded. So when you have the president of the United States, just that, I, I, when he said that, I honestly thought that Netanyahu showed him like AI generated images. Cause I was just like, I don't put it past him to just concoct the evidence, but I, he didn't even do that. He didn't have to because Biden is just so stupid and his senility is just like so obvious that he just, he's just like weekend at Bernie's. I, I yeah. cannot believe that this is what we're dealing with. And, and yeah. Hours after the hospital bombing to go and shake hands with Netanyahu and to ask for this unprecedented aid package 
while Israeli leaders are spewing genocidal rhetoric and incitement to genocide all over Western media and all of these IDF commanders are talking about why this operation is necessary. Can you imagine for a second if a Hamas commander or a Hamas militant was invited on the press to talk about why they feel like they need to do what they do? It's just... It's it's egregiously like the the double standard is so crazy and it's just so obvious and I'm I'm with you I mean I'm a I'm a critic of Western media we you know we're around the same age we've seen the last twenty years unfold since the war on terror and I truly like sitting back and looking at this incitement and this Islamophobia take root again feeling like it's nine twelve two thousand one it's like how have we not learned anything from the Iraq War. I thought it was kind of like a meme now that the media just lies, falsifies everything, manufactures consent whenever we want to go to war. It doesn't matter if it's Venezuela or Syria or Libya or Iraq or Palestine. This is what they do. They are an organ of the ruling class um, and they're subsidized by the defense contractors. Yeah. And so how have we not learned anything? How have all these so-called well-intentioned liberals not learned anything. It's grotesque. It's sick. And it, it's just the dehumanization is, it's sick, Rania. I, I, all I see is dehumanizing genocidal things from Israeli leaders. And there would be no misconstruing that. If that were Arabs saying that about Jewish leaders, there would be no misconstruing that that was like anti-Semitic and that it was incitement to genocide, calling people animals, saying that we are at war with civilians, that these people are sub human, that they need to be wiped out. But that's just totally fine, right? That's completely fine when Israeli leaders say that. And everyone just bends over backwards to rationalize it. It's like, I think Israelis know very well, this is just for an American audience. This is literally just to make genocide palatable for an American audience. That's why Biden needed some diplomatic cover about the hospital bombing. They know better, dude. They, they just need the veil of legitimacy so they can just keep throwing billions of dollars and weaponry to Israel. They know. But that, that's why Israeli leaders are all speaking English on American TV. They are selling it to us. Israelis know very well what's going on. Yeah, A lot of them are also settlers from like the US and Australia too. So yeah, that's why right. they speak English. But you yeah. know, I, I think that this is a good segue into like another topic I wanted to ask you about because you've also spent time on the ground and what is considered Israel. Um, and Israel's not a normal society. This is not to say that like America is or that any other Western country is, but Israel is a very unique place because it's a set, it's a 19th, 20th century style settler colony in 2023. And as a result, the basically entire Israeli public, the vast majority of it is inculcated to hate and to essentially support the eraser of the indigenous people of that country. And as a result, you have a populace that is genocidal. I'm not saying every single person is, but even, you know, journalists in Israel, like Gideon Levy or Amira Haas will say they are like in the extreme minority and that the vast majority of the country, like it, from liberal from across the spectrum is like supports like ethnically cleansing Palestinians and killing them. And so you were in Jerusalem a number of years ago and you actually spoke to Israelis on the ground. You just asked them some questions. And I just wanted to show a little clip of this. You know, we won't watch the whole thing, but I think it's just important. Um, so I'm going to play you here. We're here in Zion Square in Jerusalem, which the government has actually declared to rename Tolerance Square. And we're just going to ask everyday Israelis what they think about the situation. Uh, you're American. Where are you from and why did you come here? Uh, I'm from New York. Um, and I came here with my family when I was younger to make Aliyah. Um, because it was always my parents' dream to come to Israel because we're religious. So, are you American? Yes. Oh, cool. Why? You, uh, when did you move here and why? I moved here 11 years ago. Uh, my family moved here because um, this is the country of the Jewish people and the future of the Jewish people. And uh, we want to be here. How old are you guys? 18. We're 18, 18 years 18. old. Now we are here in Israel taking a leadership course and we're going to the army for a few months to see how life's here. And then we hope to bring back some of this knowledge to our youth movements. So you're like an internship with the army? It's about two months and they show you everything about the army. Israel is a great place. It's a nice place. You should come and visit. Uh, like, I love Israel and I feel safe here. All that misconceptions are not, not true. 
like is is there's not people uh, with knives every day and there's not uh, i don't know people exploding palestinians yeah. yeah no but pretty much the life here is really good for people living here it's just normal to see people in the army walking around with guns and you feel completely safe and protected i feel like we know who the threat is and it's not coming from anyone random as opposed to in the rest of the world that could be anyone um here we know we know who our enemy is and we know that they are out to get us who is the enemy who's the enemy that's that's a very good question i don't think it's specifically any nation i think it's the people that um are so interested in being politically correct that they won't actually go after the the people that are trying to cover things up i think that that the islam is a, it's a very bad disease not uh, not just for israel for uh, all around the world we, we can see it they think they they all have to be islam if you're not islam they will kill you a lot of americans don't really understand what israel's like we hear a lot of things in the news a lot of people are sympathizing with the palestinian plight um can you talk about what it's like to kind of live in this situation uh first of all it's very hard i also am an organization it's called lahava it's against the jews and the mary arabs did you say the organization was did what again we the organization is the the thing of it is to that jews should marry arabs shouldn't marry arabs why do you feel strongly about that because jews is a special nation that god gave it to the jews and we don't want jews to get mixed up with, together with a different nation i think israelis have to take over and uh, they have to kick them uh, kick them away it will be much better not to, not to kill them just to to go back to to arab countries you can't deal with these people there's no need to try there's no need to talk to them what we can do is when that they they do enough harm we retaliate that's war and that's the situation that any jew lives in israel has to deal with אוקיי, okay. בסדר בעברית? פשוט מאוד, צריך להיכנס לשטחים וכל מחבל שעושה פיגוע צריך להרוג אותו, צריך להרוג את המחבלים ואז הם יפחדו ולא יעשו לנו בעיות והכל יהיה בסדר, הם יהיו בכפרים שלהם, אנחנו נחיה פה, לא צריך להיות ביחד והכל בסדר. אני חושב שכל because he's a terrorist I think you should uh, also kick out the family because it's all begins with the uh, khinukh i'm saying uh, education whatever they teach the kids the kids does you know it's families i think that we need to no no and he let it again i don't know how to translate really well i i think we should give them a country if you're doing any problem you just go in there to give them a country and then it's going to be a war between countries you know if they're going to throw rockets we're going to throw one big one and okay I think you get the picture because it's like it just goes on and on like this and I know you yeah, remember doing all that Abby. i just it, it does worse. get worse people are like kill them all like they yeah. just get This is what Israelis think. This is what Israeli society you're literally just walking in a very popular square talking to regular people and they're basically advocating ethnic cleansing and genocide and like it's nothing like it's totally normal and my favorite is the American ones. I'm like just why are you here? Why well, are you, you heard the woman for yourself the real enemy is those who try to be politically correct and I think that that is a really interesting undercurrent of when you just start talking to Israelis. Like our, you know, our colleagues that lived in Palestine um, testify to that. I mean, like David Sheen, for example, has embedded himself in these thousand strong fascist, openly fascist rallies that they'll be chanting death to the left, death to the videographers, referring to Bet Salem videographers who just 
film, you know, atrocities sometimes on camera and dare to release them. And those people are considered the actual enemy. There's a saying inside Israeli society that the left is like AIDS. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like, you need to get rid of the left before you can get rid of like what you, you die from when you have AIDS. It's like really, really dark. Um, and, and I spoke to, you know, that was like just a pure organic sampling of Israelis on the street. A lot of people say that, oh, I maliciously cut that together. I purposely made Israelis look genocidal. No, that, that is just a random sampling of what Israeli society is like, right? Um, I spoke to one guy later on in the video, one guy who said he is a leftist, and I was like, well, what does that actually mean? And he said he just wants the occupation to be more humane. <laughs> that's considered the left side Imagine. of the spectrum there. Imagine. And so it really is a fascist state, 100% fascist state. During the Trump administration, or like I think it was like the 2016 election and 2020, like people were doing man on the streets there and everyone loved Trump. Like yeah. everyone loved Trump. Everyone hated Bernie Sanders because he was seen as, you know, too. They hated the Jew. <laughs> he was a Jew. It's crazy. It's like you see this reflected in polling, too. I mean, during the Great March of Return, like the shoot to fire policy that killed hundreds of unarmed protesters and wounded thousands more with live ammunition. Ninety five percent of Israelis agreed with that, Rania. Like when you have a society in lockstep um, supporting policies like that. You know, you can't really say the same thing about America. Yeah, we're a settler colonial state and there's plenty of blood on our hands for the genocide that took place here. But like this is an active this is like active colonization happening daily where people are surrounded by like a milit like a martial lawed walled off areas where Palestinians are just like living in apartheid rule and then. 40, you know, 40 miles away from an actual like concentration camp. It's really surreal. And you do have to have like, not just cognitive dissonance, but you do have to have hate in your heart, born and bred into that indoctrination in order to be okay living there. Because American citizens, we don't all have dual citizenship. We don't have passports where we can just flee when we're disgusted with what our government does in our names, which I'm, you know, I wish that I had like a, a safe haven to go to, to escape from this country. <laughs> But Israelis do. That's why you see Israelis traveling all over the world. Like a lot of them have dual passports. A lot of them, if you're an anti-Zionist Israeli Jew, like you just leave. How the hell could you live in that society? And a lot yeah. of the people that we know that are anti-racist Israelis do leave. And so it just continues to consolidate that racism and that hatred. Um, and it's really unfortunate. You know, I, you've kind of already mentioned, I was going to ask you about like the corporate media, but I think we've gone over some of how horribly they've covered this uh, and obviously just like run absolute cover for Israeli atrocities, whether it's like Hamas run health ministry or just repeating talking points or just covering October 7th nonstop, like as if there aren't like 6,000 Palestinians who've been killed that we know of. Um, but, you know, I think there's something important to touch on here. And that is the fact that they aren't managing the narrative like at all. Um, I would say, and I think polls show that Israel is losing the narrative war. Views are really changing if you look at polls, especially the younger you get. Like polls of like boomers are very much still in the pro-Israel camp. Gen X is like, eh. you get to millennials, you get to Zoomers. It's like a different story. It's more pro-Palestine than not, especially if you poll just Democrats or people who you know, call themselves liberal or progressive. There's no question. Um, and so, and I also, you know, I know that social media is an echo chamber and it feeds you what you want to see. But even there, I'm just like, I'm seeing it's mostly pro-Palestine content every once in a while, you know, I'll see like an obnoxious right-winger say something stupid, but, and I'm sure the right-wingers are in their own echo chambers too, but it does seem like views on this issue are shifting despite what CNN is trying to push into our brains, I'm curious, like what your thoughts on that are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the hospital, I keep bringing up the hospital bombing because it was such an egregious, disgusting rewriting of history, real time. And to see the Western media in tow, mindlessly regurgitating IDF spokespeople and press releases, despite the clear manufactured evidence and doctored evidence that any Palestinian would tell you this is fake, like the audio recording that they released between alleged militants, like this is fake. So the question is, why is Israel releasing fake 
doctored evidence? And shouldn't that just make you question the veracity and validity of what they are saying about the attack? And it was a disgrace, Rania, because that was like a moment that there was international outrage building and condemnation came really swiftly. And so they just reversed the narrative, claim that Palestinians are blowing themselves up and the Western media just dutifully repeated it. And it was just like, well, those idiotic Palestinians, they just can't stop blowing themselves up. Too bad. Too bad. Um, and we know damn well it was a direct, targeted with an air burst munition. And it, it's just sick, Rania. It's sick that now here we are again in the aftermath of that, trying to like explain this. That's the strategy, right? To confuse and obfuscate. But despite that, you're right. We have seen an in incredible outpouring of especially Gen Xers who do not believe this. I think that they are completely detached from whatever the corporate media is selling. We know that people like Tucker Carlson, for example, his audience, even though it was the most widely watched show on TV, it was a lot of boomers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the younger you are, the more, the less inclined you are to watch corporate media, the less inclined you are to get your news from corporate media. And you see that severe detachment from like the Israeli stronghold on the narrative. And it's very encouraging because I have been out in the streets um, for the last two weeks and I have seen unprecedented historic demonstrations in Oregon for Palestine solidarity. It is amazing. And a lot of these actions were Jewish led. Um, and I met my Jewish friends there, colleagues who were, you know, radicalized on birthright, and now they're out marching in the streets. And a lot of Jewish activists are leading the way here with the historic demonstrations in the Capitol, getting arrested. It's amazing because I was so worried at the beginning of the chilling effect on solidarity actions because of representatives like AOC and, wow. you know, people kind of finger wagging at Palestine um, demonstrations that immediately erupted saying these are essentially celebrating Hamas. I mean, it was really, really disgraceful what I saw at the beginning. And I was super worried that um, that we were going to see a quell and a chilling effect on people wanting to come out in the streets. And look what we've seen now. Tens of thousands. I mean, in, in the UK, it was like 100,000 it was like one of the largest demonstrations in history um, in that region. And here, I mean, I thought the Sheikh Jarrah stuff in 2021 was like, I mean, that was a moment where I was like, this is huge. This is unprecedented. This momentum is like unstoppable. And now it's like 10 times bigger, Rania. They cannot stop it. And that's why they've Im implemented all this anti-BDS legislation around the country, because they know the tide of justice is coming. They know the tide of public opinion is turning. And that's all Israel has really banked on for the last 20 years, especially because before it was like, you know, the intifadas, there was like a lot happening on the ground. And then ever since they essentially besieged Gaza into this concentration camp, it's really hard to justify these ongoing massacres of just bombarding a caged ghetto and mm -hmm. cutting off electricity and water and putting Palestinians on a diet on the brink of this humanitarian crisis and not letting people leave. It's really hard to justify that. And so what they've done, even though they have Western media as their, you know, as their like parroting, you know, appendages, they still have deployed millions of sock puppets and they have war rooms at Tel Aviv University where people are just paid to correct the record on Wikipedia, to argue with people online, to monitor social media. This is what they do because they know that the public opinion is the most important thing that they have going for them. And that's why, you know, it, we've talked about Israeli society. Everyone's on board with the ethnic cleansing and the genocide there. That's that's not really who they're trying to appeal to. They're trying to appeal to Americans because they know that America and America's green lighting of this and America's subsidization of uh, Israeli apartheid is the only reason why it survived. And that's, that's who they're gearing this Hasbro propaganda to, this barrage of lies. So every, you know, I, online, especially in the last two weeks, everyone seems fake. Every time I yeah. look at people's accounts, it's like newly created, looks completely fake. I mean, it's kind of pathetic to think that we're giving Israel billions of dollars and they're probably just spending it on <laughs> literally nothing but paying people to be like sock puppets. Yeah. Full salary with benefits for anybody who's willing to troll Abby Martin online. Like it's actually, it's actually happening. It's crazy. Uh, you know, 
I, I do, though, I think you made a really uh, good observation about at least how a lot of us were feeling after October 7th. Like, I guess, the, 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 okay, the sentiment in the Middle East was a bit different because obviously I'm operating in a very different environment here. But I did look to the U.S. and think, oh, wow, people there are just like gonna, you know, condemn Palestinians and not protest when Israel bombs back. And they did. And I was really like, it, it warms my heart to see uh, how many people do care because it gets very easy to think nobody does. Mm-hmm. But I just want to, I do want to talk about Hamas for a moment mm-hmm. because, you know, we're supposed to view Hamas as this like evil ISIS-like group, right? With the new talking point that's coming out now. And I'm not saying Hamas is perfect or angels. And I'm saying that as somebody too, who like, like ideologically, I'm not like, you know, you know, a fan of Hamas is like a branch of the Muslim brotherhood. They're very like religiously right wing. Um, you know, I definitely didn't agree with what they did in Syria, for example, but they are at the same time, they exist for a reason. They exist as a resistance to Israel's genocide against Palestinians. Um, and that's first and foremost, what they are. And people under occupation do actually under, under international law, have the right to armed resistance. And that's constantly denied to Palestinians, constantly, no matter who's doing it, all throughout the history of Palestinians fighting uh, for their survival. They've been accused of being terrorists, whether it was left-wingers like the PFLP or whether it's like, you know, the religious right like Hamas. They're always going to be accused of being terrorists. I mean, we know they're accused of being terrorists even when they're just marching without weapons. You know, they're if they send balloons over the border, they're called terror balloons. Like Palestinians existing is like a form of terrorism for Israel, literally. But on the subject of, you know, of Hamas specifically, I'm curious, like your thoughts when you do see Biden and Netanyahu call them ISIS. Right. I mean, it's it's fascinating because going back to what we were saying about the initial narrative, they wanted to essentially just equivocate Hamas and ISIS because I think that they saw what the U.S. did to alleged ISIS fighters, which was completely level entire parts of the Middle East. And the civilian casualties were just an afterthought. And it was like, well, the the primary goal is to take out this, you know, maniacal terrorist organization who's burning people in cages. And it's just horrifying crimes that you can't even comprehend, really medieval type shit. Um, But what's amazing is that um, they couldn't you know, that's why you saw the 40 beheaded babies. That's why you saw the mass rape. You saw a lot of dehumanizing, barbaric talking points that were put out to try to dehumanize Hamas, even beyond ISIS. I mean, I've never heard of any group in modern history uh, beheading infants, right? That's a pretty egregious, crazy (laughs) thing to put out there. But of course, uncritically parroted by the Western press on the front page of New York Post. I mean, just around the world, I'm sure probably like a billion people saw that and cemented that as truth. And that was the intent from the get-go was trying to put that in people's minds, that Hamas is as barbaric, if not more barbaric than ISIS. But of course, all of that unraveled, Rania, news organizations quietly had to retract those claims because they were completely false. There was no reports of rape. There were no reports of beheading infants. Um, and, and you even saw Israeli authorities posting Hamas's worse than ISIS and also pictures that they claimed were ISIS flags, like in the attacks. Well, I mean, can you imagine? Can I just want to say something about that real quick. Yeah, please. Okay, so think about that real quick. Do you know how many flags Hamas has to have on them before they get to the ISIS one? If they even they would not, they would never have it. They actually fought ISIS in Syria, right? Uh, and, Al- and Al Qaeda as well. Uh, at one point, at least the ISIS branch there. But like, they've got to have the Hamas flag. They've got to have the Islamic <laughs> flag. They've got to have the Palestinian flag. There's like a bunch of other ones they've got at the Al Qassam brigades. Like, but for but for them to just oops, we left our ISIS flag in the. Yep. Com- is like is just is as dumb as the Israeli claim and also as made up as the Israeli claim that they found Hamas instruction manuals because you know what I what, what anybody in a military operation does is they have a pocket instruction manual <laughs> in their pocket like to look out in case they forget what they were supposed to do and they accidentally drop it <laughs> back like it doesn't it's not even logical what they're saying and then to add to all that you've got these like the fact that all of this, uh, all of these testimonies are coming out from Israelis being like, oh, yeah, our side shot us like it's it's becoming increasingly clear that a lot of these people died because there was crossfire, because the Israelis have something called the Hannibal Directive, mm-hmm. where they would rather kill their own people 
then allow them to be taken hostage and used as leverage in a prisoner exchange. So like that's happening. And on top of that, you have this woman or these women who were these elderly women who were like released uh, by Hamas uh, from Gaza on humanitarian grounds that Israel didn't even want back. Like Hamas yeah, they don't like, want them hey, back. Yeah. No, though they don't want them back. Actually, Hamas, apparently there was a report that Hamas had suggested will release 50 hostages if yeah. you send fuel to Gaza for the hospitals. And the Israelis were like, no. They don't even want their own hostages back, yep. right? Yep. And these women are released, and then the woman gives like a press conference in Israel where she, I'm sure you saw, it was like crazy. She was like, yeah, they were really nice to me. They fed me. They ate with me. They gave us shampoo and conditioner to shower with. And like, yeah, they were really kind. I mean, it was hard when they took us, but like after that, they were really nice. Yeah, they like, was like, shake his hand and say shalom? And she was like, because we talked about a lot of stuff and they were super nice to us. <laughs> just the stories that you that are coming out from the kibbutzes that were attacked are just like crazy. It's like Israeli gunfire, barrage of bullets with a crossfire killed all the hostages. They don't care about the hostages, but it doesn't stop the celebrities, Rania, and all of the oh Western tenants from having this mantra, free the hostages, free the hostages. And then even Israel is posting like, bring them home. Bring them home. Okay, like well, guess what? Them. You can today. <laughs> you know, the only hostages who have died have been killed by Israeli yeah. bombs. Yeah. Like, I think a couple dozen. And they just, they don't care. Like, they if, do if care. Amy Schumer wants to, like, lead a letter signing campaign to free the hostages, she should send it to Netanyahu. Because yeah, it's no, literally they do not care. No, I want to say something else about Hamas, too, because they... I hear this constantly that Hamas's directive and their charter says that they want to wipe all Jews off the map and destroy Jews. And, and this just constantly, like how Biden is saying the attack on October 7th is as consequential as the Holocaust, that it's the deadliest attack on Jewish people since the Holocaust. Like, I mean, that is such loaded, crazy rhetoric, making it seem like Hamas's directives are anti-Semitic. It is an occupied people. They are under siege. They're directing things toward their occupiers. Like if I were Israeli and if I were Jewish, I would be directing my anger at the Israeli government for having a policy in place that is the root of all of the violence, right? Everything that happens, the root cause is the siege and, uh, and is the occupation. So it is just so insulting to our intelligence to be told that this is all about anti-Semitism. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear the rest, you can access it by becoming a Breakthrough News member at patreon.com slash breakthrough news.